Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. During this discard phase is that you've become public enemy number one. And you're no longer giving them the best form of supply anymore. So now they're going to want to continue to get supply from you, but they're just going to take it in the lower form of supply, which is making you miserable, making you squirm, showing them that they can still have control over you in some way. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zung, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. I'm so glad you're here because today I'm going to be sharing with you eight phrases that narcissists use to manipulate you so that when you see it coming, you'll be able to spot it. You'll be able to turn it around. You're going to be able to start looking at it almost like as a third party and go, Okay, got it. Now I see what you're up to. Now I see what you're trying to do. And by the way, by because you're saying these things, I know that you're a narcissist. All right, so let's dive in. The first one is they'll say something like, I guess I'm a bad person. You know, you're you're trying to make a point about something, you're pointing out something like they didn't do something that they said they were going to do or they did something that they shouldn't have and you're you're just trying to get them to take responsibility you're trying to have a conversation with them and what they try to do then is they just become the victim oh i guess i'm just a bad person uh you're just attacking me i guess i should just die i should you know and 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 instead of now having a conversation you're the one who's attacking them. You should feel bad, especially if they're a covert narcissist. Then you might see tears starting to flow, something like that. If you want to know more about the covert passive aggressive narcissist, definitely check out my video on the covert passive aggressive narcissist. And I also have one on covert narcissists in relationships because I really detest covert narcissists because I had to deal with a couple of them in my own life. But the very first thing that they say is, I guess I'm a bad person. They turn, they shift it around, they make themselves the victim. All right. So that's number one. Number two is, do I still matter? You know, now we're not talking about the issue at hand. It's, it's now it's, Again, they're turning it around. They don't want to have to take responsibility for whatever it is that they should have done or didn't do or or did do and shouldn't have or whatever it is uh, or whatever it is that they said. Maybe you're hurt. Maybe you're upset about something. They don't want to have to be responsible for that. They don't want to have to have that light shining on themselves. So they will do whatever they need to to get that off of themselves and move it to a different direction. 
And so another thing they'll say is, do I still matter? Is, you know, uh, doesn't the relationship matter to you? Why are you doing this? Why are you bringing this up now? Uh, what, what, what is it that, um, that you need to do now about this? You know, and so, and instead of like, uh, actually addressing the issue, it becomes all about all of that stuff. However they can create noise around it, that's what they will do. Okay, so then the next one is, if that's the way you feel, you know, in other words, like kind of diminishing your feelings, diminishing whatever it is that you're bringing up to them, I guess so. If that's the way you feel about it, uh, and it might even be like in a mocking tone, it might be in a sarcastic tone, they're definitely uh, letting you know that whatever it is that you're deciding to do is probably a terrible idea. They're being very judgmental about it. They want you to feel bad about whatever it is that you're deciding to do. If that's the way you feel, okay. So, all right, the next one is, if you loved me, then uh, if you love me, then you'll, you won't do this. If you love me, then you will do this. Uh, you know, if it's in a business setting, you know, if you valued the relationship, if you value working with me, then you wouldn't say this, you wouldn't do this, or you would do this, whatever it is that you want them to do. So that's another way of getting them to, um, or getting you to be manipulated by them. Okay, so the next one is you don't trust me. Again, this is a manipulation. You know, they're doing something that you definitely don't trust them. And they're like, oh, you don't trust me. They're trying to make you feel bad. They're trying to make you feel guilty for not trusting them. How could you question them? They've always been there for you. They've always been by your side. Have they, have they ever let you down? And of course, you're thinking, yeah, you have. And yeah, I don't trust you. But, you know, then they start playing on your emotions. They start playing on your feelings. And especially if you're an empath or you're an empathic person, it's really, really hard to stand back up to that. And if you want to know more about the um, that symbiotic relationship between the narcissists and the empaths, definitely check out my video on that topic because there is definitely sort of this, um, you know, lethal attraction that goes on there between narcissists and empaths. But anyway, that's the next one. You don't trust me. All right. So the next one is I've never seen anything this bad before. I've never seen anyone do anything like this before. Uh, you know, trying to make you feel like you're the only one who's ever asked this, done this, said this, whatever it is. And if you want to know more about that, definitely check out my video on Narcissus' favorite sayings. But that is something that they do uh, as well to try to manipulate you. I've never seen this. I've never done this. I've never seen anyone, blah, blah, blah. Um, okay, the next one is we talked about. Uh, this is a really, really famous uh, one. It's a gaslighting type of a phrase that uh, a lot of covert narcissists especially use. Uh, we talked about that. Don't you remember? You agreed. Uh, 
and you know, you never had that conversation before, you know, you never agreed to anything, but after a while, they prey on your, your sanity. And then you start to question your sanity. Well, maybe we did talk about that. I don't even remember now, but that's what they do. They, they, that's how they manipulate that you, you know, and eventually because they've, they've messed with your mind so much, they, they start to have power and control over you. But once you start to see it and you start to notice it, then it'll stop and you'll start to realize what's actually going on and you're waking up because that's why you're here, right? Okay. And the last one is I would never, you know, trying to shame you. I would never do this. I would never say that. I would never let you down like that. I would never accuse you of anything. I would never talk to my friends about you. Um, you know, all those sorts of things, even though they definitely would. Um, but that's one of the things that they say is I would never. So that's one of the the, uh, the other manipulation phrases that narcissists use. They love to manipulate. And so what do you have to do in response? You have to ethically manipulate the manipulator right back. And that's what I teach you how to do. It started off where they love bombed you. They love bombed you. They came on super strong, were impossible to resist. They were charming. They were charismatic. They seemed perfect at the beginning. Am I right? Okay. Now, you thought that they were amazing. You thought they were wonderful. Maybe you thought they even loved you. Maybe you thought that they were perfect. You know, all of these things. Now, it was all a manipulation. I'm sorry to have to tell you this. It was all a manipulation. It was all meant to get this form of supply from you. Now, I have to tell you, there are a couple of different kinds of supply. What you've probably been giving them is like the best form of supply. And the best forms of supply for them are, you know, adulation, service, making them look good, really, really stroking their ego at the top level. You know, there's these different phases of a narcissistic relationship. There's the love bombing, and then you go into the devaluing, and then there's the discarding. And I have videos, by the way, on all the different phases of a narcissistic relationship, the love bombing, the devaluing, and the discarding. Definitely check out my videos on all of those phases of a narcissistic relationship if you haven't checked those out. When you go to leave a narcissistic relationship, whether it's you leaving or them leaving, that's when you go into that discard phase. That's when you see that smear campaign start. That's the birth of the smear campaign. By the way, it can start even before you even realize that the discard phase has started. All right. And I do have a whole video on how to shut down a narcissist smear campaign. You can check that out too. But what's happening is during this discard phase is that you've become public enemy number one. And you're no longer giving them the best form of supply anymore. So now they're going to want to continue to get supply from you, but they're just going to take it in the lower form of supply, which is making you miserable, making you squirm, showing them that they can still have control over you in some way. And so how are they going to do that? 
they're going to do these false allegations. And so they're going to start either through the court system, which is what I've seen as an attorney, by the way, over and over and over again. I mean, they file this stuff either through the pleadings. So you'll see it in the divorce pleadings. Well, they'll actually say these things in the divorce petition. They'll say father was a you know molester. I mean, I've seen that horrible, horrible things like that, or a wife beater or a child beater, or you know, they will say, you know, the worst possible things you can imagine where you think, oh my gosh, I never even touched them. The worst possible things. Or they will just even say things like they didn't pay child support, they withheld money, things like that. Or they spent lots of money, they spent lots of money on the people, lies about things like that. You will see those kinds of things in actual documents that are filed with the court. I think it's important that we walk through the types of false allegations that you will see. Then the other types of false allegations that you will see as well are people will see in in the actual letters that go back and forth between the attorneys. They'll tell their attorney they didn't feed the children, that the children ate candy all weekend long or nothing all weekend long or pizza or junk food all the entire time that they were with the dad or the mom or that the whole time they were with the dad or the mom, they were with a babysitter or nobody, all kinds of things. I mean, the types of false allegations or accusations when you're dealing with narcissists are really endless. I mean, completely infinite. And honestly, the funny thing is they will contradict themselves over and over and over again. That's the thing that's really interesting and and also very, very helpful for you because this is where you can start building your leverage. This is where my slay methodology will very, very much help you. Strategy, leverage, anticipate where they're going to go, be two steps ahead of them and focus on you, your case and your position. That's what the slay methodology is. And it will very much help you because they are liars. And you know what judges hate more than anything? They hate liars and narcissists are lazy. They're also very, very lazy. They also ignore court orders and judges hate lazy liars who ignore court orders. And narcissists are all of those things. And I'll tell you that at the end of the day, if you are just diligent in keeping track of these things, you really will be able to catch them. And so the thing that you have to remember is to just keep your wits about you and and remember who you're dealing with and not allow them to get the best of you. Understand who it is that you're dealing with. And every time they do one of those things that they do, just say, thank you very much. You just gave me something else. Understand 
that what it is that you're building. You have to play a little bit of the long game, all right? So I'm gonna give you six ways to deal with the narcissist's false allegations, but just understand that yes, they do this. Yes, they're trying to trigger you. Yes, they're trying to get you to look like the crazy one. That's why they do it. They want you to be triggered, number one, because they get supply from it. Number two, they want you to look like the crazy one. Are you dealing with a covert narcissist? Covert narcissists are the absolute worst. I have dealt with them myself in my personal life. And that is why I am on this mission, on this crusade to help you guys break free from them too. Because I know they, they get stuck in your head. They literally know how to get stuck in the recesses of your head, you become obsessed. Seriously, like you wake up in the middle of the night, you're thinking about it. You wake up in the morning, you're thinking about it. You're brushing your teeth, you're thinking about it. You seriously cannot get away from these. It's seriously like death by a thousand cuts because they are so subtle. I've recently heard this term micro manipulation. And I love this term because this is what they do. I mean, it is so subtle that when you go to try to tell somebody about it, people think, well, that doesn't sound that bad. And there's this term called plausible deniability, and that is what they do. I mean, it's so subtle that it's really, really hard to describe what it is that they're doing that doesn't, it just doesn't seem that bad because these micro manipulations are so tiny. They're literally messing with your mind a little at a time. You know, there's this old term Chinese water torture, which, you know, I kind of don't love that term because I'm half Chinese and, you know, it's not the greatest, but it's that little like drip, drip, drip on your forehead where it's just a little at a time. It's the whole death by a thousand cuts thing. And so this is how covert narcissists literally make you crazy and drive you absolutely insane. So these micro manipulations are what they do to absolutely drive you crazy. It is a subtle form of emotional abuse that they use in their closest relationships to gain a sense of control and especially regain a sense of control if they think they're losing it. So one of the things that they will do, for example, is you know, they'll send like a DM. It has like the shock value, like, oh, I had a biopsy today. And I don't know what the outcome is going to be. And then they'll like unsend it. Oh, that wasn't meant for you. Something like that. And you'll be like, what? What? What was that? And, you know, this massive drama bomb. And you'll go, what was that? And then they'll say, oh, sorry, that wasn't meant for you. That was for somebody else. It was so that you will go, what? What was that? What was that? Play on your sympathy. So that you'll come back and and want to know what what that was and get you know to get your attention and then they'll be super secretive about it. Oh, that wasn't meant for you. Sorry, I know you don't care anymore. To try to reawaken your empathy to see if you still care. Try to get you to worry. You know something to that effect. So that may be one of the things that they might do. Another thing that they might do is 
try to get you to participate in activities that they know that you don't necessarily enjoy. This is if you're still in a relationship with them. So they will do that, but you know, they'll make you do that, but they know that you will go along and you won't say anything because they know that you're the type of person that will go along to get along. And they might say, oh, it's just for a minute. And it won't take that long and you'll be fine with it. And then after a while, it ends up being like your whole day or something like that. And an hour turns into three hours and it turns into the whole day or something. And you just end up being, you know, annoyed or whatever. And, but you just ended up kind of getting roped into the whole thing. And what can you really end up doing about it? But they end up, just sort of roping you into that whole thing. So then it makes them sort of feel like, well, they got their way. But what can you really do? Well, they say, oh, it wasn't supposed to be that or whatever. And you end up being the bad person if you say anything about it. So that's another example. Another example would be where they say something to you or do something for you that is supposed to be nice for you that ends up not being so nice. One of the things that somebody close to me, for example, you know, it was a family member that my husband and I had in our in our family. And they would do something nice for you. And then as they're doing something nice for you, they would be saying something like, oh, you're going to get so spoiled because I'm doing this nice thing for you. And so you know, you kind of get the sense like there's like this, these strings attached to them doing something nice for you, you know? So there's like this sort of manipulation around it, these strings attached to it. Or they might give like a backhanded compliment, like you're losing so much weight. I mean, you have a ways to go, but you really look so much better than you used to, you know, something like that. Another, thing that they might do is sort of badmouth people around you. Like your friends are so great, but don't really love this person. You know, why why do you hang around people that are so not worthy of you? Something like that. You know, you you really could hang around better people. Make it seem like your friends aren't the greatest or something like that. And it's talking negatively about people in your life all the time and trying to just isolate you from your friends, that sort of thing. Another thing that they will do is kind of subtly never accept your opinions on something. You know, they'll always sort of put you down. Well, you know, that sounds like a good idea, but why would we do that? Or how about if we do it this way instead? And and you just sort of start to realize that anytime you have given your idea or your opinion on something, 
They never take your idea or opinion on something. They just always sort of put it down or they'll always sort of discount it. And you're always realizing that they always go with their idea or their opinion. And it's just always these little kinds of things. It's a micro manipulation, just these little tiny things. They're just tiny things. Like if you cleaned a room, for example, they say, yeah, you did a good job with it. But as they're kind of going behind you and continuing to fix it up or to continuing to clean it to let you know you didn't really quite do a great job, that sort of thing. So those are the kinds of things that you see. I mean, if you want to know more about covert narcissism in relationships, I have a whole video on that. After a while, it just erodes away at your self-esteem, at who you are, and you just lose the sense of yourself. So let's talk about the tactics that narcissists use to manipulate and punish their victims. So the first thing that they do to even be able to be put in a position of being able to manipulate and punish their victims is they love bomb. And I talk a lot more about love bombing in my video on love bombing. So check that out if you want. But really what it is, is they are extremely charismatic One of the hallmarks of narcissists is they are very likable to the outside world. They're they're like the greatest salesmen on earth in a lot of ways. Uh, They are extremely intelligent. They are masters at reading people. So right from the beginning, they are reading you to see how they can best kind of worm their way into your lives and put themselves in a position to be able to be able to do things like this because it's not like they come along being abusive you would never have gotten into that relationship with them if they just came on that way they come off seeming perfect for you uh, and and even when you're not in a romantic relationship with these people maybe it's just a business relationship they still come off as if they were like a gift from heaven. Like you can't even believe how wonderful this person is. You know, they're, 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 if you're in, if, if it's in business, they are the perfect business partner for you. They have all the right contacts. They can make all the right introductions. They can put you in incredible uh, places and uh, you will elevate your career by being with them. So that's that's that. And, and then, you know, if it's a romantic relationship, obviously they're perfect for you in every way. They have the perfect job. They take care of you. They do, they say how amazing you are. If you're a guy, you're the most handsome thing they've ever seen. A total Adonis. If you are a woman, then you're the most beautiful woman they've ever seen. They can't believe how perfect you are for them. They've never had another soulmate like this. They've never even been in love before until you came along. I mean, whatever they need to say in order to suck you in to be... And so that's really one of the first ways that they manipulate and punish to, to, to start being even in a position to manipulate and punish their victims is that love bomb stage. 
The next thing that you'll notice, and these are in no particular order at all, but one of the ways that they manipulate and punish their victims is by ghosting them. So now all of a sudden you can't get in touch with them. You know, they've been texting you for days on end. 20,000 times a day. And now when you want to call them out on something or you want them for something or you need them for something, now all of a sudden they're, they can't be found. They're, they're, they, they aren't there. And then when you question them on it, it was, oh, I was busy. How dare you? I, I'm working or something like that. Or if you're calling them out on uh, something that, you know, maybe that, you know, you are questioning them on. Maybe they're speaking to somebody else that they shouldn't be. They've been particularly flirty or something like that. Then, you know, they'll start ghosting you. Like they'll just totally ignore you. And that's one of the ways that they, um, that they punish their victims. And if you want to know more about ghosting, check out my 101 series, my Narcissism 101 series. I have tons of videos in there about all the different terminology that you need to know. And ghosting is one of those videos. So we'll make sure that we drop a link to that below as well. Another thing that they will try to do is they will start trying to make you jealous. Um, and, you know, sometimes this is called triangulation. Sometimes they just are lining up flying monkeys to be against you, but they're talking to other people. They're trying to make it seem like they have a better relationship with other people or these other people are better than you in some way. They're starting to put you down. They're starting this like little subtle devaluing starts and if you want to know more about devaluing, check out my video on devaluing. But this is where the subtle devaluing starts, where they, you start to go, gosh, you know, that didn't feel right. That didn't seem right. And a lot of times, especially with covert narcissists, um, and there's a whole bunch more on this in my video on covert, the covert passive aggressive narcissists, who are my personal ones that I hate the most because... I've had to deal with them in my own life and was fell prey to a couple of them in my own life, which I never will again because I know so much about narcissism now. But I, you know, one of the things that they do is like these little subtle drip, drip, drip things that are so small that you, you like, I do. Do I even say anything about this? Or maybe I'm making too much of it. Maybe I'm just going crazy. You know, it's 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 oftentimes death by a thousand cuts where you just think, well, that didn't seem right, or or maybe they are just, you know, talking to this person because they have a work relationship with them, or because they're trying to uh, build a better relationship with our neighbors or our friends, and maybe I'm ma- maybe I am making too much of it. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, uh, or maybe I'm do- being overly jealous. Or you know, you start questioning yourself as to whether or not you're kind of blowing it out of proportion because 
that's what they'll try to make it seem like you're doing is blowing it out of proportion. And the next thing that they do to manipulate and punish their victims is gaslighting. And I have a whole video on gaslighting. And and this is something that all narcissists do. And they do it, by the way, not just to you, but they kind of gaslight everybody. Um, And that is, it's a, a, a huge way that they get along in the world. And that is like, even though you're looking at evidence and you see facts of something, they they basically, and you know what conversation you had, they make it seem like that's not what you're seeing, that's not what you're looking at, that's not what you heard, that's not how it went down, you know, you're remembering it wrong, you are taking something out of context, you are, you know, even if you have an email or something, I mean, this is one of the things that happened in my relationship with one of the narcissists I was dealing with. It was, you know, even though I had an email that said, this is what the conversation was, and mine was in a business setting, um, the person came back and was like, oh, we talked about this and you agreed to blah, blah, blah. And even though the email didn't even say that, but you know, they just will say, well, but that's a conversation that we had or, or whatever. You agreed to that. And of course, it's something you would never agree to. But you know, you start to slowly lose your mind. And that's what happens with gaslighting. You just are starting to slowly, slowly lose your mind. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive your store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bestlife, all lowercase. Go to Shopify dot com slash best life to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash best life. Did you know that Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take 20,000 breaths a day? But according to the EPA, it's two to five times more polluted than outdoor air. And it's sometimes up to a hundred times more polluted. I know for us and our family, our family has struggled with allergies to dust mites and mold and all sorts of things. And that's why we have loved using an air purifier and air doctor has been amazing for us. And it has captured the attention of 
media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and more. And it filters out 99.9% of dangerous contaminants such as allergens and pollen and pet dander and all sorts of bacteria and viruses so that your lungs don't have to. And it's super quiet and much more quiet than other ordinary air purifiers. Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to airdoctorpro.com and use your promo code, your best life. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to $300 off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code YourBestLife. Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zong. You know, when something goes wrong... Where are they? They're not going to be there to support you. They're they're barely there to take care of, you know, anything, right? They avoid taking responsibility by uttering this dismissive phrase. They don't care about anybody but themselves. Where are they? They're not there to help with chores or to help around the house. They don't want to help other people. They're very extremely judgmental. They don't want to help significant others when they're sick. Constantly saying it's not their responsibility, but they certainly want other people to take care of them. Are you struggling with a narcissist in your life? Whether it's a family member, a friend, a business partner, a soon-to-be ex, whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic, but you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies, and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic. I've got a brand new masterclass for you. I'm sharing all my secrets and so that you can finally take back your power and break free from this hell emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to Break Free From Hell and sign up. Come be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free. Break free from hell and let's do this. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. A narcissist can be humble on the surface. This is a person who publicly can be wonderful, but privately is pure hell for the person who they're dealing with. And that is what a covert is, covertly. You know, only the people who are dealing with this person really knows what it's like. And that's why it is so awful to deal with them. And now we return to today's show. And the next thing that they do is they go straight from degrading and insulting you to love bombing you again. And sometimes this is called 
hoovering. Uh, and it's especially you see this like during the birth of the smear campaign, during the uh, uh, discard phase, whether you're discarding or they're discarding. And sometimes they start this long before the actual discard happens because they're either expecting you to discard them eventually or they're expecting to discard you eventually. But they go from this heinous beast of a string of insults and the gaslighting and the intimidation tactics and all of these manipulation tactics that, you know, I talked about the passive aggressiveness, um, on and on and on to, oh, but, you know, we've always been able to get along. We can work this out. Or, or even if it's we can come to an agreement, you know, when you're in the middle of a divorce, all of a sudden they become your best friend. All of a sudden things are happening that, you're, that are completely confusing you. And they do that again to manipulate you because they want to get you away from their, your lawyer or they want to get you away from your therapist or they want to get you away from whoever it is that they think now has some other form of control over you. And why do they do that? First, yes, of course, they want you to do what they want you to do. But it all comes back to narcissistic supply, which is the holy grail for narcissists. Everything they do is driven by that narcissistic supply. It's like the rat in the maze that's going for that cheese. That's exactly what they're going for all the time. And one of the things I say about narcissists is even though they are absolutely the most horrible people to deal with on the planet. They are actually very simple to understand. And once you get them, once you figure out that everything that they're doing is to keep as much narcissistic supply as they can possibly get, and you're just part of that scheme and you're part of that manipulation. And if you are in their zone of world and you even could possibly continue to be a source of supply, they're going to keep you around. So when you're going to negotiate with the narcissist, that's one of the things that you need to remember the most is that everything that they do is driven by narcissistic supply. So this is no means, by no means, a comprehensive list of all of the things that they do to manipulate and punish their victims. I mean, certainly in a divorce setting, they do all kinds of things like weaponize the court system, use children as pawns, ignore court orders, ignore requests to produce, not produce financial documents, on and on and on. Intimidation, threats of intimidation, threats of violence, lying, stalking, all kinds of things I've seen in the divorce cases, which they do even in dissolution of business settings or dissolution of business partner settings. They act the same way that they do in regular life, only on steroids and a thousand times worse. Now, let's talk about word salad. What the heck is a word salad? Narcissists use a variety of things to deflect anything off of themselves and make sure that the other person thinks that they're crazy. They use gaslighting and all sorts of other techniques in order to maintain control 
over their victims or their their targets. So when you are in a relationship with a narcissist, you're going to be dealing with word salad. And I've actually heard some of my clients and my um, my subscribers and the people in my community have talked about how their brains end up feeling like scrambled eggs. It really is in a, a form of emotional abuse. It's a form of how they traumatize their victims. And it, it, it can leave you feeling very confused and very... Um, you powerless and paralyzed. So, you know, let, before I talk about word salad, uh, let me just give you a little bit of a basic. If you haven't watched any of my other videos before, I want to make sure that I give you some basics, which is that a narcissist has no inner sense of value. They have to get all of their value from the external. Something happened with them when they were a child. They feel, um, you know, they have no, no self-esteem. They're actually extremely insecure, extremely fragile. And while all of us are on a continuum in some ways, I mean, in some ways, all of us have, you know, what people would refer to as narcissistic traits, meaning, hey, we all want to feel seen, heard, and know that we matter. That is a universal feeling. If you are a human being, you have those feelings and there is nothing wrong with those feelings. Of course, we matter. And of course, we need to feel whole and complete. The thing is where you're dealing with a narcissist is where it becomes pathological, where it becomes they they absolutely need to have it. They thrive on that. And it's so far gone on the continuum that they just have completely lacked any ability to care about another person. A lot of times people think, oh, that person says that they're so great. They have to be a narcissist. Well, you're forgetting about the second half of that, which is not only do they think that they're great, which is nothing wrong with that, right? But they completely lack any ability to have any feelings or, or care or empathy for another person. They may know what to do to pretend. And when they're, when they're love bombing, they're in that. And they, they do long for connection, but it, they just are so pathologically ill in a lot of ways. I mean, they're mentally ill. They cannot cross that bridge. So they feel that they have to manipulate the world in order to get what they want. And so they use a variety of tools in, they have a, like a whole little tool chest that they go to, to manipulate the world and to gaslight people and to, um, just to, to continue to maintain control. In other words, they just don't feel inside that anybody will actually ever love them or be with them unless they are manipulating the situation. It's, it's actually quite sad, but you empath, yeah, I'm talking to you. You cannot fix them and the emotional abuse will not stop. They, they really can't be rehabilitated other than to and I've talked to psychologists about this, and I do highly recommend that you watch some of my other videos, like with Dr. Romani, and um, specifically my interviews with Dr. Romani and Tina Swithin in One Mom's Battle, uh, How to Rep Yourself, How to Represent Yourself in Court. Dr. Romani actually talks about 
if they can be rehabilitated. And basically she talks about how they can learn how to behave sometimes. Like she has actually had a few narcissists as patients and she's been able to get them to a point of being able to kind of pretend like they care enough about people or, or go through the motions or act the right way, but they don't actually ever come to a point of truly caring because they just, there's something within themselves. that's like broken. It's it's like wishing somebody could grow an arm back if, if their arm has been, um, you know, amputated or something for some reason. So it's just those, some, some things are just not possible. So as part of their world of manipulation, they use something called word salad. And in the narcissism world, that basically means that they, they, they talk in a way that's like circular conversation. That's one of the things, you know, you think something is, is settled and then they come back as if it hasn't been settled and, and there they bring it up again. And you're thinking, wait a minute, I thought we had done that conversation. Why are you bringing that up again? Um, you know, something like that. So, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll provide an explanation for something, for example, you know, why did you, why were you late? And you say, I was late because uh, I was taking care of my sister. And then you have some big fight about it or whatever, but you, you prove it, you show I was late because I was taking care of my sister, blah, blah, blah. And then like five minutes later, they come back. Why were you late? I can't believe that you were late. I can't believe you did this to me. And you think, didn't we just have this conversation? I thought we had this conversation, but there you are having it again. And they're just trying to like force it out of you again. And it's just a way of trying to make you feel bad or feel guilty or give them attention and show, show you um, how horrible you were for disrespecting them and not uh, showing up when you were supposed to and that sort of thing. So circular conversation is one of their favorite little um, word salad techniques. Another technique that they use for word salad is just a complete lack of logic. So for example, if you, they'll, they'll accuse you of cheating. You were at lunch with your mother and your sister and they'll say, I know that you were cheating. And you're, you're, you're sitting there defending yourself thinking, what the heck are you talking about? I was at lunch with my mother and my sister. You know that I was. I was texting you the whole time. I sent you pictures of myself there. I mean, and even if you didn't do that, you you know that you that's where you were and you're just like the person who would never cheat. And But yet here they are like saying, well, you're obviously a cheater. Look at what you're wearing. And you're looking at yourself going, I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt, like what you're saying has absolutely no logic whatsoever. It makes no sense, but here you are defending yourself. Like there's something wrong with you. And, 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 and it's just this utter verbal chaos of, of like you're in the twilight zone. So that's number two is just a complete lack of logic. And another version of word salad is, you know, your typical garden variety gaslighting. And if you want to know more about gaslighting, you should definitely check out my video on gaslighting techniques. But basically it's, it's, it's saying things to make you think that you're crazy. 
you know, um, they'll say, I'm going to go away for the weekend with my friends. And you'll say, oh, when are you doing that? And they'll, they'll say, oh, we talked about that and you agreed. Don't you remember? And you're sitting there thinking, no, I, we never had that conversation. <laughs> like, where did that come from? And, and, but when they do that over and over and over again, you really do start to question your own mind. You start to question your own sanity. You start to think, well, maybe, maybe we did have that conversation because they, they, they'll do it to you over and over and over again so many times that you think, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe I am the one that's crazy or, and, and what happens with this whole word salad thing is it really just eats away at your self-esteem and it eats away at your sense of self so much so that you really start to question everything about yourself and you start to really believe, and, and you've been so traumatized that you start to really believe that, gosh, if I were just more perfect, if I were just better, if I were just if I just tried harder, if I just were more careful with my words, if I were just, if I, if I just checked in with him more and showed him or her how often I, um, you know, where, where I was, I, I, I can prove to this person, I don't want to say him or her, you know, obviously there's narcissists and all genders. Um, you, you just start to believe like, I just, it's me. It's definitely me. There's something wrong with me. And they, they, they really want you to believe that until something in your little soul. And I always refer to the Maya Angelou, I know why the caged bird sings because that caged bird is your soul. And, and I, when people end up in my office as an attorney and they're ready to get divorced or I'm on a coaching call, with somebody who's dealing with a narcissistic business partner or somebody who um, wants to talk with me about figuring out a way or a strategy or leverage with dealing with narcissists, um, they start to, you know, really see that like this is a soul decision. I call it a soul decision. Your soul knows that something is deeply wrong. Your soul knows that it's time to sing. Your soul knows it's time to be free. And so slowly but surely, you get that little glimpse of light. And that's when you start watching videos like mine or, or many of the others of us who are in this space um, that you know I've collaborated with, such as Dr. Romney, Tina Swithin, Tracy Malone, Kim Saeed, Melanie Tanya Evans, you know, all of us are in this space working for you to, you get that glimmer of light, your soul gets that glimmer of light and you go, oh my God, this is me. This is what's happening. And you start gathering information and you start getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's why I do what I do. Let's dive in and unravel the hidden meanings into these phrases. Catchphrase number one, it's all about me. This typical narcissist catchphrase really serves as a constant reminder of their self-centeredness, right? For example, a narcissistic friend who always redirects that conversation back to themselves. And it was really interesting how they can always figure out a way to direct the conversation back to themselves. I mean, even if you're talking about the weather or something, it somehow ends up talking back. It's like 
back on them somehow. It's so crazy how they can get it back to themselves. They never allow somebody to share their own experiences. You know, if if somebody says, let me tell you about my amazing day, or let me tell you about what I went through or anything, somehow it comes back to, let me tell you about me. Let me tell you about what I went through. Let me tell you about what I'm looking at. You know, even if you just say, how do I look? What's my hair look like? Whatever. I mean, somehow it has to get directed back to them. What I mean by this is this catchphrase reflects on their belief that their thoughts, their ideas, their needs take priority over everyone else. You know, what's amazing to me is you can just, you can even say something like, I'm sad. And somehow they take that as a a personal affront to them. Why is this about you? You're mad at me. Suddenly they can't have you have a moment about you. They've got to have something about themselves, a lashing out at you. That's um, number one. Number two is I'm the best. I'm the best. This boastful phrase is a grandiose display of their inflated ego. They might say things like, I'm the top performer, I'm the best. But, you know, this is not something that, you know, it's okay to say that I have achieved something, you know, and, and that's okay if somebody has achieved something and, and wants to share that, especially if they are sharing it to demonstrate credibility in a field, that's all right. But if they're saying it as perceived superiority over other people to basically say, I'm better than other people and I should have everybody else's admiration, and especially if it's not even true, that is going to be a problem. All right. So that's number two. Number three is you should know better. They employ this phrase in a multitude of ways. I didn't have that problem. Oh, I can't believe that you did that. Oh, I would never have done it that way. You know, especially when you know, you might have slipped up and they didn't, or if they're blame shifting and redirecting attention away from themselves. If they had a boss, if you have a boss who's criticizing an employee for making a mistake that was actually their mistake, and they're trying to make it seem like it wasn't their mistake, they will blame shift it onto somebody else. You know, you should have known better than to trust my judgment on that or to trust my mistakes, you know, my my instructions. Or I can't believe you messed up again. You know, by highlighting somebody else's flaw or mistake, they attempt to assert their superiority over somebody else and evade accountability for their own actions. That's decoding catchphrase, top catchphrase number three. And by the way, if you are needing to disarm a narcissist because you're dealing with this, I have phrases for disarming narcissists, which you can get at disarmthenarc.com, which will help you in combating these phrases. So I would definitely recommend that you get them, disarmthenarc.com. All right, the catchphrase number four is that's not my problem. That's your problem, not my problem. You know, when something goes wrong, 
Where are they? They're not going to be there to support you. They're they're barely there to take care of you know anything, right? They avoid taking responsibility by uttering this dismissive phrase. They don't care about anybody but themselves. Where are they? They're not there to help with chores or to help around the house. They don't want to help other people. They're very extremely judgmental. They they don't want to help significant others when they're sick. Constantly saying it's not their responsibility, but they certainly want other people to take care of them. And they they definitely want to take credit for other people's work. I mean, they're inherently lazy people. And, and then if you do things for them, they're certainly not going to acknowledge all the things that you did for them. They don't want to give you any kind of acknowledgement for the good things that you did for them. You know, if they messed up or whatever, oh well, you know, so, but They'll say, that's not my problem. You should figure it out on your own. So this catchphrase allows for them to distance themselves from any potential consequences and place the burden solely on others and reinforcing their self-centered mindset. So that is catchphrase number four. The next one is catchphrase number five, which is you're wrong. You're wrong is a... They love this one because they love to find out that you're wrong and they're right. They love to belittle and invalidate others. Imagine that, you know, there's somebody who's constantly friend or a colleague or a spouse who's constantly looking to undermine your opinions and ideas. They, you know, they might say things like you don't understand anything. You know, you never get anything. You're, you're, you're way off base. Your perspective is completely way off. Um, you're misremembering things. This catchphrase is a, a number of different versions of your wrong, but it's, you know, it's meant to control people, undermine people, undermine their confidence, and reinforce their sense of superiority. So that's catchphrase number five. They're so delightful, aren't they? Catchphrase number six is that won't work. Narcissists love to use this one to invalidate ideas presented by other people. So, you know, for example, you have a colleague who shoots down every suggestion that somebody else might bring up in a team meeting. You know, like even if it's a good idea, you know, they're just like immediately knee jerking everything to shoot down um, other people's ideas. They, they don't even have any other good ideas. They don't even have any other alternatives. But it's just like, if it's your idea, the answer is a no. And, you know, they might say things like, it's a terrible idea. We tried that before, it didn't work. And they just dismiss any other suggestions because, you know, they just don't want you to have the idea. They assert their perceived expertise and superiority by maintaining their control over conversations and their idea, their sense of intellectual dominance or intellectual dominance. So that is catchphrase number six. And the last one, the last one is trust me, which you should never do, of course. And by the way, if you are dealing with this and you need additional support, you need to join my free private Facebook group, Narcissist Negotiators with Rebecca Song, for sure. 
But this one is, you know, it seems innocuous, but this is also a very big warning sign. And they use it to manipulate others into accepting their versions of the events without considering alternative perspectives. I mean, it's really a gaslighting phrase. It's a way of gaslighting. So, you know, it's a manipulation. It's, you know, trust me, trust me that this is the way it happened. Trust me, trust me the way you're remembering things is wrong. You know, trust me that that's the way the conversation went. Or, or trust me that your advice is, is not the way it happened. Or trust me that your perception is faulty. You know, that sort of thing. And, and it's a way to distort narratives and silence dissenting voices and reinforce the distorted um, narratives that they want to reinforce. All right, so we've decoded these catchphrases, we've decoded them with examples, and, and that way we've been able to gain a deeper understanding into the manipulation tactics employed by these narcissists. And it's important, it's important to be able to do this because you wanna be able to recognize the patterns, you wanna be able to recognize the patterns employed by them, these high conflict individuals, so that you can recognize these patterns, recognize them if you're going to communicate with them, recognize them if you're going to go negotiate with them, be able to help yourself and get the support that you need. In this video, I'm going to give you six tactics, six, six simple ways to shut narcissists down so that you can stop having to deal with them. It, it, finally defend yourself against that crazy narcissistic manipulation. So number one is know the type of narcissist that you are dealing with. Are you dealing with a covert narcissist? Are you dealing with a grandiose narcissist? Are you dealing with a malignant narcissist? So this is where you have to do some education. You have to do some research, learn about this. This is why you're here, right? This is you know, the very first step in figuring all of this out is starting to realize, hey, it's not you. It's not something that is wrong with you and not taking it personally. You know, one of my very favorite books on the planet is The Four Agreements. I absolutely love this book. And it's actually, it's a very simple book. It's a book that you can read in an afternoon. It's really small and it's four agreements that you keep with yourself. And one of the agreements is never to take anything personally because the way people treat other people is a direct reflection of the way they feel about themselves, good or bad, right? And that means that if people feel good about themselves, they treat people well. And if they feel bad about themselves, then they treat people poorly. And deep down, narcissists don't feel good about themselves. They they hate themselves deep down inside. And that's why they treat people poorly. So, you know, you can't take anything that they do personally. And that's why, you know, the very first layer of this is education. And that's what you're doing now. And you're realizing, hey, it's not you, it's them. And so you're going to realize, okay, number one, I'm dealing with a narcissist. Number two, you know, what kind of narcissist am I dealing with? So determine the type of narcissist that you are dealing with. And I have videos on all of this. So, if you're 
you know, trying to figure out, is it a covert? Is it a grandiose? Is it a malignant? Go and check out my videos on all of those things and try to figure out what kind of narcissist is it that you're dealing with, okay? So that's number one. Number two is be aware of the tactics that they use, all right? And this is all part of my slay methodology, by the way. When you're developing a strategy, when you're developing your leverage, when you're anticipating what they're going to do and being two steps ahead of them and focusing on you and your offensive strategy and your mindset, the very first piece is strategy. And in developing your strategy, you've got to know what kind of narcissist it is that you're dealing with, figuring out what tactics to use, right? So be aware of the tactics that each one of them uses. Coverts act differently than grandiose narcissists and and they act differently than malignant narcissists. Each one is slightly different because covert narcissists want to be under the radar. They want to look like they're the victim, right? Right? They present differently than a grandiose narcissist. Malignants are, in a way, kind of like not the smartest ones because they're the ones that'll be out there stalking you and, you know, being violent. And, you know, in a way, that's not the smartest thing to do. The coverts are the ones that'll be like, oh my goodness, I'm the humanitarian. I will take care of everybody. But under the radar, they're the ones that are death by a thousand cuts. I mean, I think they're the stealthiest and in some ways the smartest of all of them because everyone else will think that they're a victim and you know darn well that they're not. So I think coverts are the worst ones. Anyway. I digress. Be aware of the tactics they use. That's number two. Number three, distance yourself from that narcissist. Distance yourself, create boundaries. They've been conditioning you from that beginning. You've got to start distancing yourself. You've got to start creating boundaries. You've got to start saying, I'm drawing a line in the sand And I'm no longer taking this. I'm now saying you have to treat me with respect. And I'm now saying there's a new game in town. I always say step one, don't run. Step two, make a U-turn. Step three, break free, right? In order for you to shift that dynamic and turn things around, you have to start with distancing yourself and creating boundaries. It's never going to change unless you make a change. You keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're you're getting, right? That whole definition of insanity. So you've got to distance yourself. You've got to put boundaries in place. You've got to start making a change. So that's number three. Number four, start documenting everything, recording everything, writing things down. If it's a an email, you're saving. If it, it's a text, you can screenshot it. If it's a voicemail, make sure you save it. Do not delete. You know, everything gets saved. Everything gets documented. If they are late for something, you write it down. 
Make sure that you are keeping track of absolutely everything. They will make mistakes. They will trip up. They will lie. They will give you plenty of ammunition, but you've got to make sure that you have kept track of it and start organizing it because that's how you're going to get them. You know, my sleigh program will show you how to do that. You know, you've got to start getting yourself prepared for it. And you can do this. That's number four. Number five is do not engage. Do not engage with them because they're going to try to bait you. Engage with them as minimally as you absolutely have to. You know, very, very brief, very, very brief interactions or as minimally as possible because emotionally they're going to try to bait you. They know that's your Achilles heel. They're going to say whatever they absolutely can. If it's something with the kids, whatever, whatever they know is your emotional Achilles heel, they're going right for that. So if it's you're a deadbeat dad, you're a horrible mom, you're terrible at your job, you suck at this, whatever it is, so that they can get you to respond, get you to be defensive, that's where they're going to go because they know that you'll respond then. So don't take the bait. Don't go there. Don't allow them to get you into that space because then you will be both sucked in. They're going to take you into that quicksand. Don't allow it. And then finally, the, the last one is set personal limits. You know, decide for yourself what your limits are going to be with them and then do not cross those. You know, I always say with negotiation, what's negotiable? Issues are negotiable. Terms in a contract are negotiable. What's not negotiable? Your self-esteem, your self-respect, Those things are not negotiable. They're never negotiable. And so when they start to make it personal, when they start to say things to you that are personal, putting you down, speaking to you in a manner that's not respectful, yelling at you, you know, being denigrating, you do not have to stay there. You don't have to have a conversation. You have the right to say, I'm terminating this conversation until we can cool it down, until it can be a one that can be respectful on both sides. You absolutely have the right to do that. Those are six simple ways to shut them down, to defend yourself against narcissistic manipulation of any kind, no matter where you are in a relationship with a narcissist, whether it's your mother, father, sister, brother, neighbor, friend, coworker, boss, whoever it is, you have the right to have self-respect as a human being in a relationship with a narcissist, period. End of story, zero tolerance policy. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Tune in next week for another edition of Negotiate Your Best Life. Remember, if you want more ways to slay and you want more ways to be supported, you can always join my membership at joinslay.com forward slash slay. You can always subscribe to my YouTube channel and you can always grab my free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet at winmynegotiation.com. Remember that today is a great day to start negotiating your best life. And I will definitely catch you in the next episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. Thanks so much for listening. 